Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Wish You Were Weird. A show where we talk about everything you've always wanted to know more about. Including, but not limited to, drag. Dating. Politics. The best bleach cocktail recipes for summertime. Grandma TikTok. How to tell if my dog is alt-right. Is Timothy Chalamet geometrically rectangle? Are Kellyanne Conway and the other mother each other's tether? Eight ways to show physical affection during the pandemic. In case you don't know me, I don't either. Vincent. And I teach him who he is every day, Sarah. Those are really abstract introductions. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it works. So what are these what are these bullet points here? <laughs> love in the time of Corona series. It's actually it's like a new show that just came out and I saw it because Fordham Theater alum Tommy Dorfman is in it. It just struck me as absurd because mm-hmm. it was like a new ABC original series, Love in the Time of Corona. And Oof. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't want to see or hear about this pandemic aside from what's actually going on. Because right. we have to live through this shit. Yeah. Like, I don't need to see a romanticized version of looking for a mask I don't or need, paper yeah. towels. <laughs> I don't need to know how hot people are having sex during the pandemic. Oh yeah, I'm ready for you. But first... Here's my Bath and Body Works hand sanitizer. Scary. I don't even know what the branding is like right now. Like marketing in these. It's like, hi, lover. Here is my Trojan female condom. By the way, I want you to know that the place I'm taking you to tonight to drink, they have a bowl. And in that bowl are a bunch of female condoms. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I love that you are a feminist. It's really important that you're giving us representation Mm -hmm. because women don't deserve rights. (laughs) (laughs) I actually wanted to ask you a question, re-female condoms. Do you think they can work, like, anally? I don't know. I don't... I don't like, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I just like, I I don't know, like as a gay man, I just think, would that be more comfortable for me? An ass condom? (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Like, I don't know how that would work. What would you do? I think you, I think you like, I think it's like um, a tube and then you put it up it. (laughs) Listen, any sex experts that are listening, please turn this off right now. (laughs) Just stick a tube up my butt and we've done the work. You can fill me with any kind of sauce you like. Ew. (laughs) Stick that sriracha up there. (laughs) Oh, the way that that would burn. (laughs) But you would have the condom on so you wouldn't feel it. I wouldn't feel it. Then what's even the point? Exactly. What's the point? (laughs) Oh, I see here. We wanted to talk about the new movie, (laughs) Cuties. I, okay, so I don't know what to think about this movie yet. You know, the Netflix promos came out and everyone was like, this is disgusting. This is horrible. And then a trailer came out and people were like, oh, it's against the sexualization of young girls. So then people were for it. I don't know what's going on with this movie. Do you know anything about it? Well, I haven't watched it yet, but someone brought up an interesting point to me. People watched Dance Moms for like 10 years, mm-hmm. and that literally sexualizes <laughs> children. I've just seen clips of Dance Moms. I've never actually seen it, but to me, it seems way more problematic. And this is in a, a story about rich kids. That's what Dance Moms is. It's all like privileged white rich kids 
for the most part. Mm -hmm. And this is a true story that was created by a black woman. And it's like, of course, people come for a woman of color as opposed to this southern yeah. white woman. As opposed to Abby Lee. It's kind of fucked up. Mm -hmm. um, and just from the trailer, I haven't seen it yet, so I literally can't speak on behalf of it. But it looks doesn't look to me like it would be problematic. Again, I have to watch it, but it's all I have to say about that. I don't think yeah. we uh, give certain voices the credit that they should have and people are really quick to jump on marginalized voices. Those stories aren't told and those stories happen and mm -hmm. they should be talked about, you know? Yeah, definitely. We are going to move on to our two truths and a headline section. Basically, we're going to take headlines from our respective geographical locations. We are together for the first time, but we still have headlines from our hometowns. Mm -hmm. Mine are from Florida. Vinny's are from New Florida. Jersey. There you go. <laughs> Home of Bruce Springsteen and Meth Labs, apparently, if you watched our last episode. So here are mine. A shark latched onto a Florida man's arm and decided to stay a while, video shows. Global <laughs> Karen in Broward Mall stabs bears at Build-A-Bear Workshop after being refused service for not wearing masks. That's true. Florida man caught driving lawnmower on highway charged. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say that the Florida man one is true because I know something you do is Google Florida man to find these headlines. <laughs> so I'm going to say that the shark is false. That's incorrect. No! <laughs> What is it? The Build-A-Bear one is no. false. Oh, well, I guess that's nice. <laughs> Thank God. Honestly. Yeah, that would be really traumatic if I was in Build-A-Bear and I was eight years old and some crazy woman stabbed my bear. <laughs> <laughs> And ripped out its heart. <laughs> okay, time for my headlines. So first one, Danny DeVito's alma mater, still an anchor for the community. Faith matters. Headline number two, this frugal life, the newest trend in gardening, composting using human waste. Number three, NJ researcher calculates maximum size of the universe while quarantined. I'm gonna say the Danny DeVito one is false. I'm sorry, but Danny DeVito's alma mater is still an anchor for the community. Oh. <laughs> no one is gardening using human shit. <laughs> I would believe that. Like some fucking bitches in Brooklyn taking dumps and being like, I'm just saving the environment. No, you're just buying a lot of coffee and you're Jewish, <laughs> which is exactly what I'm doing. You just drank too much coffee and you shat in your backyard and now you're trying to cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine that happening in Brooklyn, but in New Jersey? Not at all. No, ma'am. We should make that happen, though. Do you want to go shit in my backyard? Yeah. Cool. For this next section, me and Sarah are going to do our... Oh my god, <laughs> our reading recommendations. There's the coffee. <laughs> the gas has started. <laughs> Hello, everyone. We wanted to let you know that just this week, me and Sarah learned how to read. And the first thing we did was fill our brains with shit from Twitter. So without further ado, here's some shit from Twitter that me and Sarah have been filling our minds with ever since we learned to read last week. The Twitter that I've been filling my head with is at Ellen Show 2 go the number two. <laughs> And it's probably closer to who Ellen really is than her public persona. She's kind of this evil Ellen. For example, on August 24th, she tweeted, how to hide an intern's body? And then tweeted, oh fuck, how do I delete these? And then tweeted, <laughs> dash Ellen. <laughs> 
Yours? I actually wanted to talk about Z-Way's comedy shows. We have the same, I feel like, audience, so I'm sure a lot of you have watched these, but Z-Way, she's a comedian. I think she's in New York, but she does these live Instagram shows where she interviews notoriously problematic people, but it's funny, and she really comes for them, and she'll call them out. It'll be like these white feminists, Alyssa Milano, and she'll be like, how many black friends do you have? And Melissa Milano will be like, Actually, I like solved the AIDS crisis. It's just really funny because she just gets them and she's fearless and funny. She also writes a lot of pop songs that are about political issues. Like she has this pop song like called Universal Healthcare is a Human Right and it's like fun but educational. I just think she's so cool and like so entertaining. Also her style is cool. She's like very early 2000s. Yeah, I'm obsessed. Yeah, me too. I do love her. As Vinny just gives her an Instagram as, as I just go follow her on all... <laughs> platforms as Sarah speaking. <laughs> I love her. I've loved her for 10 million years, longer than you, Sarah. <laughs> for our next section, me and Sarah have put together just a few Black Lives Matter and trans organizations and shout outs that you can donate to today. So without further ado. A great organization is the Audre Lorde Project. Named after self-described Black lesbian mother warrior poet Audre Lorde, the Audre Lorde Project is a lesbian, gay, bisexual, two-spirit, trans, and gender non-conforming people of color center for community organizing. Our next organization is called Black Trans Femmes in the Arts. It's a collective of Black trans women and non-binary femmes with a mission on creating space for Black trans femmes in the arts. The collection includes artists, educators, art administrators, activists, and curators. They organize performances and galleries to showcase the talent of Black trans femmes, host workshops and talks, and hope to mobilize and uplift Black trans femmes with resources and opportunities. The Black Trans Travel Fund, it's a mutual aid fund, voluntary reciprocal fund that provides Black trans women in New York and New Jersey with access to safer travel, including private rides, gas for their own vehicles, or other self-determined alternatives. Finally, we have Solutions Not Punishment Collaborative. This is a Black, trans, and queer-led collective in Atlanta focused on the divestment from the prison industrial complex and investment on social services. They work to end the mass incarceration and criminalization of Black, queer, and trans women and all members of the Black community. They have a number of programs, resources, and events. Also, we have a bunch of Black-owned businesses for you to support in New York. This first store is called Brother Veli's. It's shoes designed in Brooklyn and handcrafted sustainably with artists spanning from Nairobi to New York. And they are just really cute shoes and it's a great way to support a black business. Again, that's Brother Bellies. They're on Instagram and you can go to their website. This next one is called TA New York. It's owned and run by Telsha Anderson. It's a beautiful store. It's completely designed to cater to the women identifying community in New York City and has fabulous clothes. It's in the West Village. Very cute. It's called TA New York. You can go to their website, shop-ta.com, or you can check out their social media at ta.newyork. I wanted to talk about a coffee shop that I've been obsessed with ever since I moved to Bushwick, a coffee shop that I've applied to work for multiple times. Mm -hmm. I've never been hired, but that's okay. Shade. Um, <laughs> but it's called Milk and Pull. And they have locations in Ridgewood, Bushwick, and bed -Stuy. I love this place because it's the perfect distance from my apartment just to walk to and kind of take my morning. They have not only great coffees, but they have amazing bagels and sandwiches. Personally, I like to get the 
everything bagel with cream cheese, tomato, and onion. And it's super inexpensive also for, you know, when money's a little tired. Yeah, Milk and Pole. I love them. They've got an Instagram. They have a website, milkandpole.com. If you're ever in Bedsty, Bushwick, or Ridgewood um, and you need a coffee, that is the spot to go. This business isn't black owned, but it's female owned. And actually I met her because she was waxing my eyebrows and we got into conversation and she has this amazing online shop that sells these incredible candles that are like in the shape of the female body. And they're so cool. You should check them out. It's called Beauty Bars NYC. You can check them out on Instagram and she has a website as well called beautybarsnyc.com. They're so cute and cool. And also she sells really amazing soaps too. So you should definitely check that out and support a female business as well. Also, they're very reasonably priced and they're like really, really cool. Go check them out. Amazing. Cool. Um, do you want to introduce Paige? Yes. All we have to do is say, next up, we have an incredibly fabulous guest. Okay, sure. I'll just say that. Let's, let's each say that. We're going to audition and I'm going to okay. pick the best one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Next up, we have an incredibly fabulous guest. I hated that. You know. <laughs> Next up, we have an incredibly fabulous guest. Okay, do it as share. Next up, we have. <laughs> That's not share. <laughs> do you believe? <laughs> uh, okay, me you um do this Carol Channing. Okay. Next okay. up, we have an incredibly fabulous guest. <laughs> she on barbiturates. <laughs> Next up, we have an incredibly fabulous guest. My God, Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> in the studio i'm taking the dog dumbass <laughs> <laughs> okay i love it okay next up we have an incredibly fabulous guest okay that's fine thanks <laughs> <laughs> our guest today is a fabulous new york city based drag performer she is the tawdry blonde bombshell from new york city this two-time Glam Award winner currently has the longest running drag show in New York City in its 10th year and now online called Slurp Sundays. She just returned from a month of sold out shows in the Catskills and Provincetown with her cabaret, Louder, Faster, Funnier. She has been seen as a featured queen several times on Watch What Happens Live on Bravo and is a cast member of the reality series Shade Queens of NYC. Please welcome showbiz spitfire, Paige Turner. And the crowd goes mild. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice when you're online because you could just pretend that thousands are cheering and screaming. We'll, but they we'll are. We'll make, it, we'll make it sound huge. Yeah, you can just do anything Ooh. you want. I love it. We'll add some like booze in there too to make it realistic for all of us because that's exactly. what we really get. <laughs> Have someone like... What is that where someone in the audience starts, you know, shouting back? What is that called? Heckling? Think, right? Thank Heckling. you. I should know that. I've been doing this a long time. I should know that. I must never get that. I didn't know that word. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm curious. What's like the worst heckling you've ever gotten in a drag show? Do you have I think it's just been someone that's just been really drunk and kind of not even knowing where they're at kind of thing. <laughs> You know what I mean? I've sometimes gotten messages from people later, very rare, maybe twice my whole life. Like, I didn't like that you said that or whatever. I'm like, I'm a comedian and I'm not mean, <laughs> so get over it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very self-deprecating. I'm not mean. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had someone thrown out just twice, but they were really like so crazy drunk or on something to where it wasn't even about me. It was just about like anyone that they would have run into that night. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I've seen like videos online of just like, crazy people in drag shows like getting on stage and wild stuff so we're gonna take this all the way back to the beginning Vinny, take it away 
Sure. So where were you born and raised? My profile on Facebook is a lie. It says Beverly Hills, California, because it sounds way better. Um, I am from Indiana, a town called Highland, Indiana. It's about 35 miles from Chicago, thank God, next to Gary, Indiana, which is terrible. And I left there a long time ago, but it was definitely like that. Midwest, small-minded, very religious, very Republican, dare I say racist kind of town. And I just kind of knew that it was like not a fit for me. But thank God Chicago kind of was my rescue to know that there was like, oh my God, there's like people like really in their life and living in a more fast paced and there's theater and there's exciting things. So my father worked in Chicago and we would go in a lot and we would go, uh, I would see shows and stuff. So that kind of made me knew like that was kind of my tribe or my place to get to a city and Chicago still is my favorite city actually. So when did you start doing drag? I did drag for fun or I got drag roles but I always was like I don't want to be a drag queen or way before RuPaul stuff there was kind of like a negative thing about drag to be quite honest it was more from our community it was more like I think internalized homophobia which is funny because there was a period which I wasn't around for that but there was a period way before that where drag was very outspoken and very political and very performance art and then really like true entertainers and queens that were around like Farla Jean Merman comes to mind and um, Miss Coco and stuff and I always remembered seeing like videos of them and stuff and being like ah that's more my fit like an entertainer a theatricality a self-deprecating comedy queen and I just kind of was like I can do this my own way which was extremely scary to do but the theater background helped with that confidence I think that's, that's awesome so I know you do like a lot of song parodies and when did you first get the idea to do those you know I grew up liking Weird Al Yankovic who I think everyone knows even if you're really young people still know Weird Al Yankovic that name I mean that's a great name so that's very memorable so in his own right he's like kind of like this kooky clown I would consider it clowning performance art so I remember I don't really follow Weird Al but I remember being like that's so great that you can take something so popular and I think it was Mickey like oh Mickey you're so fine did he do it like as Ricky though with I Love Lucy and I remember being like what he's parroting like the I Love Lucy show to like the 80s Tony um Basil cheer I'm like this is brilliant and then I started getting into like oh you could be absurd with stuff like that and then I think I did see maybe Varla Jean Merman do a parody or parody or just make a song silly without even changing the words I'm like this is really fun and this is definitely the humor that I respond to or want people to respond to like at least I always feel like you have to do it for yourself first because there'll be like nights when no one's laughing and then you realize an audience be like that was amazing I'm like really the audience didn't make any noise you always kind of have to perform for yourself first and invite people in and I've heard this you know for people on Broadway will say like what a horrible audience but there's a cabaret song about like someone who had a bad show and then there's like an eight-year-old what is that song an eight-year-old girl's waiting at the stage door whose life was changed because she saw this mm-hmm. Broadway show oh, I can't remember the song now and that's the perfect way you can't ever be like there's someone out there who's gonna see you like right. it's crazy even for drag like someone messaged me the other day and I hadn't heard from this person in four years 
who wanted to talk to me about a project, but they were still watching me or I was still on their radar and you wouldn't be like, oh, wow, really? So you never know. So you kind of can't like half-ass, you have to do it for yourself and please yourself first. Yes. <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yes. Some snapping. The rewards I don't will know come. If <laughs> Even if they don't come right there, they will come later if you like do that philosophy, you know? Absolutely. I think that's like applicable to any performance art too. It really, it is. And it's very like law of attraction and all that stuff too. But um, yeah, it took me many years. I'm not going to say I always, always felt that way or always feel that way, but I try to. Absolutely. So we wanted to know, what was it like to work on all of those Bravo shows that you've been on? Like Watch What Happens Live and like Real Housewives. What was that like? It's so funny. I have it to show on my show Thursday. Um, the very first time I did something on um, Andy Cohen, someone saw me on a cruise ship party around the city and then the casting director of that show and then asked me shortly after. So again, it's like being seen and being out there and right. someone seeing what you do. And then I did, um, it's funny because it was in Star Magazine, a picture, and I was just cleaning out stuff and found it. Uh, I did like the Ricky Lake contest, Was the he does those faux drag pageants. And so I dressed up like Tracy Turnblad and did that for Ricky Lake, which was really great. Um, awesome. It's really fun to meet a celebrity when you're dressed up portraying like an iconic character for them. For me, that's the most to be like, this makes total sense in the puzzle piece that I'm a drag queen in New York City on a on a show dressing up like Mary Poppins for Julie Andrews, which was like- I was just gonna crazy. ask you about that. So yeah, what is it, what is Julie Andrews smell like? And what is she what is she like in person? You don't have to answer the smell was like- Was wearing <laughs> perfume I, and smelled good. Um, she had a cute little leather <laughs> jacket on. Very much what you would expect. She definitely had an entourage. And although you have more leeway, cause I'm like taking photos afterwards and stuff, there wasn't like a lot of personable time with Julie. Um, but very polite and very much what you would expect. Other people you know, got to like Kiki more with like Rosie O'Donnell and Whoopi Goldberg who yeah. were very, very cool and very, and asked me questions about myself, made me feel really important. They had like that perfect trade as a celebrity, you know, making me feel like it was about me, which is really nice. But Julie, Julie did turn during a break and was like, where did you get that costume? And I was like, oh, Amazon Prime. <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's very good. I was like, no, it was my friend's mother made it for him. And I was like, do you have this? They'll get you stuff, but they're always like, do you have something? And I have to say from experience, I prefer to get it myself because mm. A, it's going to fit me the best. And it's national television. And also I just knew that like my friend's costume, which was like made, it was really great compared to like an Amazon Prime. You, you know? should shoot Andy Cohen a Venmo request <laughs> for the album. Oh yes. Oh, totally, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so what can we do to support drag queens right now? What what are the best ways? Well, what's kind of crazy is everyone a lot of people have said to me the drag queens are like keeping people's sanity, which is so funny to hear um, online. I've gotten like letters from people and cards in the mail. I send out merchandise, people then have my address. So they'll like send me cards. Someone just sent me the most, someone just sent me the nicest card about feeling like they weren't part of a community until they started watching my show. And someone else sent me a thing about coming out as transgender. 
from watching my show, I was like, wow, you never know who you're like gonna touch with performing or with like through a screen or what you say and stuff like that. To support drag queens, I would say watch shows and share the shows if you like them. There's a lot. There's quality over quantity. There's people who are trying to figure it out. And, you know, I think the people that are doing the best are the people that have always worked really hard at their shows and didn't do things half-ass and, and always had a very prepared show. I think those are the people who are doing the best online right now. And I say that even from people not doing drag. I think the people that kind of just wanted to like go in and party and drink and just be Miss Popular, it's a business. So you've got to get online and try to make it work and keep people captivated. And I've had to put money into it. I've gotten backdrops and good lighting. And today I bought a new speaker because of my speaker. I was like, this is crazy. I got to get a new speaker. So I went and invested in an expensive speaker because I want to have it sound good and stuff. But I think um, supporting Queens is very important if you have a favorite and sharing that favorite person's show. Definitely. And they can watch your shows on your Facebook, right? Page Turner. Yes. And they can Page Venmo Turner you. NYC. Yes, thank you. It's, everything is Page Turner NYC PAI. Gotcha. Facebook Live, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, twice a week. And Sundays, the big Sundays are themed. And Thursdays are more cabaret favorites of mine, but Sundays are theme shows. Awesome. Yeah. I think we should move on to Shade because me and Vinny have been watching this, texting each other about it. We loved really? it. <laughs> did yeah. you finish it or no? It's okay if you didn't finish it. Finished it. Finish. You finished did. It. Oh, yeah. wow. I <laughs> right. have to say, what you've been able to do with So You Think You Can Drag is so so incredible i mean there's what like a hundred queens working now because you know you helped them to give them that amazing opportunity so we want to ask you a few questions about that yeah starting off where did the idea for that come from and how did that begin yeah that's funny it kind of backs up and i'll just attach it to some things i said earlier if you want to start drag especially this many years ago when so you think your drag started i remember how scary it was to just be like even as a performer who would go in an audition, which is can be scary. Drag gives you confidence to a certain degree, but going into a bar or not having it professional or not having someone get you or having sound bad or not having a dressing room or this or that is really enough to make someone do it once and be like, I'm not doing this ever again. And I just kind of like contests in New York City how can you just kind of show up and like, when is my time and this and that, and there's no room. I was like, what happens if we had a really good contest that was kind of like a camp or that people could um, feel really supported, like in a way, in a really positive way. And I just kind of went back to like theater roots and stuff. And originally this promoter, Austin Helms, who's moved away from the city, asked me to judge something at New World Stages. And then they kind of like fell in love with what I did. And so one of the head people from New World Stages in Austin and I were like, we want to do this drag contest. And I was like, okay. But I was like, this is what I want it to be if we're going to do it. Otherwise it won't be fun for me because it's just going to be like everything else under the sun. And I don't want it to be like RuPaul and this and that, which was just kind of starting at the time. Oh my God, it was just kind of starting. And so they're like, oh my God, I love it. And because we had like such support and New World Stages was like my home for so many years, they were so great. I filmed music videos there and done so many other things there. It really was able to build and feed and become like this very highly produced kind of like reality show. And I just pulled out flyers. Oh, I did Labor Day show. That's what I did this past weekend. So I pulled out like flyers from past sh shows that I did. I pulled out old So You Think You Could Drag 
and the very first year the the winner won five hundred dollars and then when it ended they won fifteen hundred eight years later sponsors we love and then sponsors. like their own show <laughs> and then their own show for the past four years prior to that they won their own show um their own paid show so and then all the sponsorship and all these prizes I would get, makeup and this and that. So a lot of things changed and it built. And, and then Shade, Queens of NYC, the reality show I did, decided that that would be my storyline. And the year was an all-stars year, which was our last year for So You Think You Could Drag. So it was a little confusing because it was a contest on a reality show. But the reality show wasn't, a, wasn't the contest like RuPaul. And I do have to say, I regret that I had the idea to sell So You Think You Could Drag as a reality show. I, I regret and I don't regret that I never did that. I'm glad at least it was on Shade because it's that stuff is real. We never went back and, you know, reality television, never went back and was like, oh, go back and do that again. But weren't you upset? Like, it was so fast paced that I think it comes off really well because that stuff is really happening. Someone's sewing someone up or me going on and being nervous before the curtain opens, or that crowd being excited. That's stuff you can't fake. And that came off, I think, really well. So then I was like, oh, I wish it was like a whole series. But I'm at least grateful that some of it is, you know, archived. I just want to give background to our listeners. So um, Paige had a long-time pageant contest for drag queens in New York City, and that's so you think you can drag, which was featured on a reality TV show called Shade Queens of New York, featuring a lot of famous drag queens also that are New York based. Um, it was not, it was not competition based show with just about their lives, which I really like that aspect, but I will say me and Vinny, like you were talking to us last time about like the second episode was like your, was like your feature and they open it and they're like page and like the guy like rolled his eye who was that no. i was i don't want to like bring up any enemies i was like and then they would like talk they would like talk shit and then they would show you and you'd be like welcome to my home <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's very funny so it's a huge example i have n- no problem calling it out it's a huge example yeah. of how a show can just do anything it wants to do to make people look a certain way and i mean it's like 180th of what rupaul is so i'm glad it happened because i definitely know i don't want to be on tv being doing what i love to do um to be confident and to have people try to make you look it was very strange i think it didn't it was i think they could have done a better job if they wanted to try to make me look bad as like a (laughs) storyline Um, first of all, it's very hard to do, I think, with me. I will say that about <laughs> the ego. But second of all, I think they could have done a better job. But I also caught on. The thing that was really bad about the show was it happened so quickly that they started releasing it while we were filming it. So we saw oh. how we were being portrayed, which no one ever does. And it was the first time they ever did this TV show. It was the wrong station for the show, yada, yada, yada. We were always told it was not going to be like Real Housewives. Now, I turned down, I turned it down at first because it was like Shade, Queens of NYC, and it's not yeah. going to be like Real Housewives. The term Shade has a negative, bitchy, right. you know, connotation to it. So I was like, that is so not who I am. But kind of like, you know, if I was told that it was really going to be like Real Housewives, then I could have been like, definitely not, or been like, sure, I'll play the game. 
but to kind of like not really know that yeah. it was that and then to see yourself halfway through and yeah and I started being like yeah no I'm not saying that about that person and so they really it was kind of wild because they really saw like I was not going to play that game at all yeah. well sorry for bringing up past trauma too no <laughs> believe me it so does not you really really shined in the episode where it was the finale of so you think you can drag all stars and I'm I'm so glad that that's been you know recorded I mean it's it really looked fantastic Thank you. And then in it, Jackie Cox wins. Yeah, I, we, we my, love Jackie. So Jackie's my really good friend. And I got to tell you, this is another thing because there's all that drama. They're like, well, of course she won. It was Paige's friend. I'm like, well, that's funny because I wasn't even going to ask her to do it. I didn't even think she'd do it. And I actually didn't think she had a competitive bone in her body. So I was really kind of surprised. And then Holly is in the show, who's on Shade and then doesn't win, which would have made the series really great if she did win, but it was very fair and square by voting and judges and, you know, the cameras were on us as we're counting ballots, you know, for my own show. So, like, the show was very fair, and I think that's what really drove people crazy who were in series to Drake. I'm like, it's audience and it's judges, you know? But Jackie definitely won that. That was definitely hers to win. So that was kind of, that was nice because she was the very first year for So You Think You Could Drag. So, and she did not win and she was always bummed about that. So it was really a nice full circle in so many ways, even putting our friendship aside. And I like gave people pep talks and I, she never asked me questions during it or asked me advice or favoritism or anything and was very professional. So she deserved to win. It was really great. I actually really liked that episode with like you and Britta Filter and Holly, where you're where you're talking about like financials and you're all like sitting down. Yeah. I thought that was so sweet and like I I can't believe like I feel like we were talking about this last time. Like Britta Filter had like that kind of bad edit on Drag Race, and I'm yes. like I'm not a, I'm like not in the drag community. If I've heard like great things about Britta Filter, just yeah, uh, again like generally isn't too. Funny? And, isn't it funny that she was like the angel of shade and then she's made to look bad on RuPaul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of screwed up like reality TV. I could talk about this for hours. I think it's a huge reason why we have the president we have. I'm not Mm -hmm. a fan of reality TV. I'm not a fan of like fabricated stories and situations. And then you kind of just start becoming this character when it's not at all who you are on the inside. It screws a lot of people up. I know, I think Britta's probably having a hard time from what I've heard with the whole uh, drag race. Because, you know, highs are highs and the lows are really low kind of thing. But she does love performing and she'll find her like, no, the episode that you like, yeah, I'm like the older one giving them advice about finances. It really took me some growing up to really get finances in order and drag as a business and keeping track of what you make and not just throwing tips in a box and then turning around and having a gown made for $400 and being like, why don't I have any money from working this month? And it's funny, I had had the conversation, oh, I was doing a show years ago with Bob the Drag Queen, and we both pulled out, like, little planners, and I'm like, what do you have there? She's like, what do you have there? And we, like, wrote, we're writing in, I work this night with this person, I made this much money, we would do that. And um, and she's very successful, and there's the whole... Uh, you know, money, law of attraction kind of thing with that. And that was a huge, when I started doing that, I started becoming more successful and making more money. So I really 
yeah, that was a very truthful episode. I really meant that. And yeah, it totally helps. I, I love that. I You should have, like, I know you were talking about, like, making that into a show, though. You should. I think that would be cool. It like could a, be a cute show, right? Yeah, you, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Like a, like a toddlers and tiaras, but, like, Totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. I would love that. But I always love giving advice. So many queens over the years, especially during Sweetie Victor, I did, like, they would ask me a certain question and I would usually give an answer that wasn't what they expected because I usually give an answer that isn't like, that's more like life related than drag related or business related. Business, right. Because it's a business if you want it to be. Otherwise it could just be a big party or a lot of running yourself around a hamster wheel. It's just really about like knowing what you want, which is true for every single thing in life. (laughs) And we're all trying to figure out what we want right now during all this. Yeah. (laughs) Vinny, do you have any questions being like somebody who's just starting to get into drag during this pandemic? I'm just curious if you have any questions for And I have to say that Vinny is dressed in full beat right now because we are on video, even though you're only getting the audio, and looks absolutely amazing as Rosetta Stone. You really do look pretty. But I knew you looked good in drag after last time we talked on video because you just got, you know, that pretty boy and those features. You have a lot going for you without (laughs) having to alter a lot. And it just keeps expanding, but sorry, go ahead. Um, I mean, I have, I have probably a million questions, but when I think of you and and Paige Turner, I, I, there's a very clear kind of um, brand there. How do you develop that sort of really detailed idea of who you are as a performer and an artist? That's That's an amazing question. I've been asked it, but not in that smart of a way before. That's, um, well, you know what's funny? I've had someone read me before, be like, oh, she's like a Barbie girl, like every drag queen. I'm like, I don't know that every drag queen thinks that. And I was doing this, well, Trixie Mattel was probably in diapers, but like, and Trixie <laughs> does a, a cool, smart thing that's not looking like a Barbie doll because it's exaggerated in a, and the Mattel, it's very cool what she's done but i would say it's different than me but similar but very different in a different way and a lot of queens you know what little boy didn't look at a barbie doll and be like i want to play with barbie dolls you know the thing about so for looks wise for me it was the barbie doll and i thought that like physically when i put stuff on oh my god i look good in drag and like blonde hair and i liked feeling very girly as opposed to like fierce woman. So I kind of knew fashion wise what I wanted to look like. And then when I found the fashion, I knew what I wanted to feel like. And I never am a person who like, I still to this day, like I have professional hip padding and like never wear it. I'm always wearing very full dresses because that's where I feel very much like the life of the party or the party girl. And I knew that I was very passionate about a lot of things, which is good. And I started to just really focus on the things on the feminine side that maybe I didn't think I could show as a boy, like being made fun of or being from a small town that wouldn't accept that. So I love musical theater. So that was a huge part of it. I love gay camp, old school gay camp. So like Mommy Dearest and Valley of the Dolls and really campy stuff. And then more modern stuff that's become campy. Obviously, Mean Girls is a big one for a lot of people or Clueless. And then why those things were iconic. And I started wanting to remind people of those things through drag, like why we love them. So I dressed up in the Alicia Silverstone Clueless outfit for back to school recently, which a lot of queens have done. But I really feel there's a certain attitude when you get in drag that you shouldn't have to apologize for. 
And if you really can embrace that and really own that, then people will really, really gravitate and respond to who you are. And there's the fierce, the dancers, the bitchy, and that's all good. Again, I don't find any drag to be wrong. In fact, I really enjoy drag that's totally opposite of me because I'm like, that's not what I do. When I see someone doing like 20 splits, I'm like, yes, because I could never in a million years. So like, that's really fun for me. When you start really gravitating towards what you love and don't have to really explain it to people, you just do it. I think that's where you start to really find your voice. And I was the boy next door in musical theater for so long. And I kind of turned it into, I was the sexless boy next door. And I turned it into kind of like the oversex girl next door. That was a great answer. Oh, uh, thanks. We wanted to know, um, what are you currently working on? What is next for Showbiz Spitfire Page Turner? And where can we look out for it? Yeah, I'm so grateful. I just got to perform out of town in Provincetown and the Catskills. I did seven shows outside, which was really fun. Um, mosquitoes flying past you and stuff. And that was a show called Louder, Faster, Funnier. And then fingers crossed, I might be doing it somewhere else outside very soon, but I don't have a contract yet. I just have a mm. high injury, so maybe, <laughs> yeah, you'll be able to know about that. And then I got back and I was like, well, what can I do? It's funny when you have this time, you have more time because I'm at home doing the show. So I'm not like physically getting to a place. So I'm, I have a lot of theme shows coming up, which are really fun. My 10 year anniversary show, which I'm kind of letting the audience vote on what that is. I think it will be a full Dolly Parton show. Yes. <laughs> dressed up, dressed up yes. like her breast breastplate and hip padding, even though you won't see the hips online. But the breastplate you will. But full, like full Dolly the whole time, which I kind of did for a nine year anniversary show for one number. But boy, was it not fun to quick change into Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like be Dolly the whole night. So I think that I just started work on, on a Christmas album. So excited. <laughs> yeah, I've never done, it's so funny, like people don't buy like CDs. So it's just like you're sending out the album as MP3s. But it'll be a combination of parodies and newly written songs and a classic or two. Not many, mostly parodies <laughs> and stuff. But because I probably won't be able to do my Christmas show, and that's really where drag started for me, it would be nice, kind of like as a Christmas present love letter to followers, to be like, well, this year you can, you know, listen to a Christmas album. I might. I'm like not famous enough. I'm trying to figure it out. Maybe if people want it, I'm trying to figure it out. I think I have. Maybe make a few like record LPs. Not you CDs. Should. Just to have the artwork. Because I know like a few people would freak out. And I saw people have bought some LPs of I think there's a, a Trixie has one. Somebody else does too. Anyway, that's very retro, very me. Plus it's just kind of like Absolutely. a fun collectible if you have like a fun, but a Christmas album, that's what I grew up on. So that's fun, you know. Next section, we have our, our Mary Fuck Kills. Ooh. All right, I'll take it away. So you have three options and each you will pick if you want to marry, fuck, or kill them. Okay, Katy Perry. Lady Gaga, and a cactus. Mary fucker kill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Katy Perry kill. Lady Gaga fuck. And cactus Mary. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Great choice. <laughs> um, our next round is iconic Midtown gay locations. So we have the Yotel, Flaming Saddles, and that gay underwear store on 9th Avenue, which is sadly closed now. Uh, fag. I mean tag, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, okay. 
the Yotel, Mary, Flaming Saddles, fuck. I mean, have you seen the staff? Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and, you know, I killed that joke so many times making fun of Tag. It's even been written <laughs> in scripted shows. It was in my Christmas show this year. Oh, making right. Fun of sto- making fun of places going out of, on. You went, yeah. And I called it FAG. Yeah, F-A-G-G. <laughs> making fun of places that went out of business. And now I'm the cause of everything on Ninth Avenue. Oh. So I would say kill. Okay. Um, this next section is mm-hmm. would you rather. Would you rather own a gay fracking ranch or own the rights to stomp the musical? Oh, how random. <laughs> we'll own the rights to stomp. <laughs> well, would and you then I could buy it? and then I could buy any ranch I want. That is true. I, I could buy the chicken. See. I could buy a chicken ranch and whorehouse and sex. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. And dress um, up as Miss dress up as Miss Mona and stand on the front porch. <laughs> there you go. That was Dolly, right? Yeah, and you know what's so funny is I watched like five musical numbers from it as I was cleaning up my hoard. Uh, in my room. I've, I've thrown away so much crap this weekend, yeah. So we do have another Would You Rather. Um, okay. Final round. Would you rather star in a Peloton bike commercial or be given $5 million to spend in Michael's craft store? I'm going to say Peloton because Peloton is such a huge success right now. They can't even make them quick enough. And I would have all these likes and followers, which would bring me to $5 million. And I was in Michael's today and I got to tell you, I spent about $5 and I walked out with way too much stuff. So five <laughs> million true. with my coupons, I would basically just be able to buy a whole Michael store. And I don't know that I want a whole Michael store. I, they have like this thing in Michael's now. I've seen it. They have like $5 mystery boxes where you go and it's like, it could be anything in these boxes. Yeah, they're like, we were going to throw this out, but some idiot's going to buy this crap. Yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah. So, Sarah, I think we've reached actually the end of our show. We've oh, my reached God. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Paige. Everybody check out Paige's everything. Paige Shore NYC, right? On everything. Instagram, Facebook, and watch my shows on Facebook. They're on my fan page and my friend page. It's all over the public. 9 p.m. Sundays, 9 p.m. Eastern on Sundays, and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Gorgeous. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming, Paige. It's been a wonderful talk, um, especially for me. I mean, you're super inspiring, and I'm so glad we got to have you on. So we just want to say, remember that fleet enemas are not reusable, but they are great for all of your backyard DIY projects. This episode of Wish You Were Weird was sponsored by Nobody. Please sponsor us. Thanks.